We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Pat. Since our last recording, Jason, the Bulls played five games. In those games, they went one and four. That includes a loss tonight to the Boston Celtics. It drops the Bulls to 14-27 and overall on the season. They're in 10th place in the Eastern Conference standings. Five games back of the eighth-seeded Magic now. The Bulls on pace for 28 wins on the year. This is just a nightmare of a season, Jason, as we've said over and over. But really, we're stuck between apathy and anger. What <laughs> side of that line are you falling on right now? I don't know. Like I said before that tonight's game, apathy. And like tonight's game went to Celtics. They lost 113-101. I mean, you never expected them to go into Boston and beat a really good Celtics team. I was kind of hoping for it just because... Fuck the Celtics. We love hating on the Celtics. But, like, the Bulls scored 14 points in the first quarter. They actually did make things interesting in the third quarter. Uh, they got within, like, six. But then Boston's just much better. And they just kind of controlled the rest of the way. Even though they were just kind of screwing around for most of the game. So, yeah. They lost tonight. Uh, that dropped them to, like, 1-16 against good teams. This You mentioned that they were they 1-4 in the last five games since we recorded last. Those four losses were all against good teams. The one win against the shitty Pistons where they... Uh, they completed the Bulls completed a four zero season sweep. That tells you how awful the Pistons are. Even though the Bulls and Pistons are both right in like right in the same spot in the standings, but the Bulls were well, they lost to them. The Mavericks, Luka Doncic destroyed them. They got smoked by the Pelicans, who've been playing better lately. Uh, and they lost to a Pacers team playing without Malcolm Brogdon and Domantas Sabonis. Obviously, the Wendell Carter Jr. injury happened since we podcasted last, so he's out for a while. The Bulls are still without Otto Porter Jr. So, like, I mean, I guess it is hard to get, like, super angry at this point because it's just, like, whatever. I mean, this season, I feel like just nobody cares about the Bulls. I feel like, like, no one's excited about them on, like, the Twitter timeline. Like, no one's just, like, there's there's no buzz about them at all. And why would there be buzz about a team on pace for 28 wins in the third season of a rebuild? We're in year three of this rebuild. Jim Boylan talked about go, go, being a playoff team this season. They talked a big game about it. And we're now here at 14-27 and 27 against... Obviously, the schedule has picked up re- recently, and the Bulls have continued to lose these games against good teams, but against a mostly soft schedule for the first couple of months. And we're here, 
14 and 27. Our guy Mark Karantzoulis at Bloggable wrote a pretty good, col- good a good column uh, before the Celtics game, just like talking about like what what do we even root for the rest of the season? Like, I mean, at this point, a, a playoff run would be. I mean, the Bulls still have a really have a bunch of tough games. They're, like I said, they're five games out pending Magic Suns outcome to or Magic Kings, I think something like that. I mean, it does not look like they're going to the playoffs. They're on pace for 28 wins. Like, what do we root for? Like, do we root for them to like? kind to the, the individual development for players like Lowry and Levine, like Lowry, Lowry had another bum game tonight and he's just been a disappointment. The entire team is a disappointment. Like what are you looking for the rest of the season, Ricky, at, at this halfway point? Like, are you rooting for losses? Are you rooting for like scorched earth? Uh, what just, what are you looking for the, the rest of the season now that they've finished this first half and it's been awful quick note, dude, they're four and zero against the Pistons, three and zero against the Hawks. So they're seven zero against those two teams. They would be seven and twenty seven without playing the Pistons and the Hawks. <laughs> so they do not play the Pistons or the Hawks the rest of the season. So when we were going all scorched earth on this podcast at the beginning of the year, that was against a paper soft schedule. The Bulls had you know one of the three easiest schedules in the league for the first two or three months of the year. Now they have the hardest remaining schedule in the Eastern Conference. They have one of the hardest remaining schedules in the. NBA, this thing is going to get really, really bad. And what I'm rooting for is for everyone who works for the organization <laughs> to be humiliated. I mean, I don't know what else to say, man. Like, it starts with Boylan. Obviously, every time Boylan opens his mouth, he is embarrassing not just the Bulls as a franchise, but the people who put him in power, the city of Chicago. This guy is a total joke. He is in so far over his head. And, you know, the front office can spin it about the positive development they see Boylan making inside the building. Well, you know, objectively to the rest of the world, this guy is awful. So he's already a total lost cause for the, for, you know, every minute that Boylan is employed by the Bulls for the rest of this year, it's just a wasted opportunity because. You can't really evaluate the young core with such a bad coach. We've talked about Markman's regression. Zach Levine, uh, I mean, he's basically the same player he's always been, right? Like, you could look at the advanced stats, and he has made some incremental improvements in areas. But, you know, I tweeted the on-off data today. With Zach Levine on the court, the Bulls are scoring 106.3 points per 100 possessions. With him off the court, they're scoring 96.8. Guess what? Zach Levine's awesome at offense. Here's the defensive numbers. Zach Levine on the court, they allow 108 points per 100 possessions. With Zach off the court, it's 97.7. Of course, the raw on-off data can be a little noisy, uh, but you know, you look at how Levine played this week, and I really think that uh, it's it really lends credence to the numbers, right? Like no one disagrees with the fact that Levine is a very good offensive player and a very bad defensive player. You saw it against Indiana this week when you dropped 43 on him over the weekend, just some ridiculous shot making from Zach Levine. You saw the athleticism today against the Celtics. He boomed a couple dunks on him, looked super explosive going to the basket, Uh, but it's not translating to wins. And, you know, I don't blame Zach. Zach is miscast. We've been saying this, on, yep. saying that on this podcast all along. I'd love to see Zach in an off-the-ball role where he doesn't have to make so many quick decisions, where he doesn't have to put the ball on the floor and initiate the offense. But the reality of the situation is there's no one else to run a pick-and-roll or run in isolation without Zach Levine. He dropped 30 again tonight. He did have six turnovers. Uh, went 9 for 9 from the free-throw line. He has been moving the ball well, but uh, you know Zach is just not good enough to be a top dog. Then you go to Markinen. 
just atrocious, dude. The guy has taken 20 shots once the entire season. It was the first game of the year when he took 25 shots against the Hornets. I thought that that game, at the time, could set the tone for what was set to be a really productive season for Markkinen, taking a step up and like being the focal point of the offense. It hasn't happened at all this year. He's not even getting 10 shots in half of these games, it feels like. I don't have the numbers in front of me. The rebounding's been really weak, so... What I'm rooting for, man, I can uh, I can throw it out to my boy Dave Kaplan, who did report on the radio this week that, from what he's heard, there could be sweeping changes inside the Chicago Bulls front office. Dude, I will believe that when I see it. Right, because yeah. I feel like I've heard that rumor before in the past. It's never come to fruition. John Paxson, I think, is on season number 17 right now with the Bulls. So what I'm rooting for, dude, I'd like to see Gafford. If you want some, like, some actual upside, Daniel Gafford's been – really good for a second round pick he started again tonight four or five from the field against the celtics he looked good against boston he looked really good i thought against uh detroit when they won that game over the weekend so uh i'd like to see gafford but mostly i just want everyone to be humiliated and i want everyone (laughs) to be fired yeah gafford had a sweet uh block of jason tatum tatum tried to yam on him and Gafford packed right back in his face. He he was uh, he was like a plus eight or plus nine tonight's game in a game the Bulls lost by twelve and were getting blown out a good portion of it. He was in foul trouble, which hurt him obviously. But the Bulls had some nice energy and he always provides energy. Like obviously he's very raw, he's very limited offensively, but he's always bringing energy. He's always looking to dunk on guys. He's never afraid to uh, challenge guys at the rim like we saw today. So yeah, Gafford's been a nice little surprise there. Back to Markkinen, uh, Casey Johnson had a few tweets about after this game tonight where he only played 25 minutes, only took nine shots. Some of that, again, is on the coaching, and we'll, we'll talk more about Boylan after this a bit. And Markkinen played 25 minutes tonight, and Luke Cornett played 22. Like, why? Like, Cornett was, like, was minus 24 in 22 minutes tonight at zero points, and Markkinen only played, like, three more minutes. Like, and, again, Boylan sticking with the blitzing PNR despite Cornett getting absolutely roasted. I don't know if he did it because, like, Cornette had, like, one good quarter against the Pistons where he made, like, his first five shots. He had 15 points was, in that. Yeah, game. and was like he was, like, a plus 20 or something like that. That's the freaking Pistons. The Pistons are a joke. The Bulls have beat their ass all season. Like, those games, I don't even, like, count those games at this point because the Bulls just own them so much. Back, back to reality for Luke Cornette today, and he's playing almost as many minutes as Lowry despite being a, a just a huge negative. Again, obviously, Lowry has had his, had his problems. That's not all on the coaching, but... Uh, brutal. And here's the quote from Markkinen uh, per Casey John today on his, for, on his disappointing for his half. I don't know what to say. I've had my moments, but obviously I expect more of my, out of myself. I'm disappointed with myself because if I had played at a higher level, we'd probably have more wins. That's right. As a follow-up, whether he could make more of an impact with more time and more shots, he says, that's our system now. And then he said he'd have to watch film of games uh, that he did make a big impact and needed to rebound more, and he said he always looks in the mirror. So and just like some basic stats that Casey also tweeted about, said he's averaging fewer points in his rookie season. He's right around 15 a game, and he's only playing like a minute more. I know Casey wrote recently, and just, and just like noticing in general, like the minutes. I think Cody Westerland's been check like been tracking this as well. Just play like why is Lowry playing so few minutes? I know he hasn't been that good, but like he was better in December. Why is he still only playing 30 minutes a game? And you're playing freaking Luke. I mean, this is this is especially with Wendell Carter Jr. out. How is Lowry playing 25 minutes in a game and Luke Hornets playing 22? That makes absolutely no sense at all. Such a disappointing season. Like we all thought that we all thought last year Lowry was going to take the big step. Then he had the injury. He had the big February, and then he had the weird health stuff. And now this season, we were hoping he's fully healthy. He's going to take this big step forward. And now. 15 points a game, like, okay efficiencies, not really rebounding, really no development in terms of playmaking. Like, I mean, I feel like just, I, I don't I don't want to put it all on the coaching, but clearly some of it 
is. But like, I mean, we I feel like we at this point we might have to totally reevaluate what his ceiling is. Like, is he just a high level role player? It seems like he might be. Like, I don't want to give up on him yet as like a potential all star player. But I mean, right now he's he's just kind of a guy. Like, I think he's a good. He's still like a good player. He's not bad considering his his shooting has come around lately. But I mean, in terms of that like high level player that we were hoping he might develop into. I mean, that's looking like a, like a no. You, you you hit the nail on the head with Levine. We've talked about it ad nauseum. The guy gets buckets. We know that. He's fun. I, I root for Zach Levine. The guy tries his ass. At least he works really hard. I feel like he's been a little better defensively this season. He's still not that good. Just miscasting in a number one role. And then, I mean, you look at the, I think Will Gottlieb mentioned this. And there, I saw some other people tweeting out stats, but just like how this core. We, we want to blame Boylan. It's hard to, it is hard to look at this core without just the lens of of Boylan and his crappiness. But we do have to wonder, like, what exactly is the ceiling of this core with Lowry, Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., Kobe White? I guess you could include Chris Dunn in there, who's been pretty damn good this year, at least, especially defensively. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't really know. Like, it, it doesn't, it's, they're clearly missing that t- legit two-way top guy stud. And they just have, like, a n- bunch of nice pieces. But put together, clearly... It's just not that good. And, and, I mean, right now it's bad. It's awful right now. It's, it's what it is. Yeah, and I think that that's the biggest disappointment about the year. It's not that, like, they're losing and, you know, it's another season where they're likely to finish in the 20s with wins. It goes even beyond that, and that's humiliating by itself at face level. But it's like, so when you get these young guys, the key is to develop one of them into a star and they just don't have that. Like, none of these young guys are any good. I, they might get better in the future. I like Wendell Carter. I think, you know, he could be an all-star level player, perhaps. I think Markinen, if you put him in the right system with the right player, man, if they had Luka Doncic, I think Markinen would be great. But yeah. they don't have Luka Doncic. They have Zach Levine, who's miscast being the lead dog. Uh this is just a failure from top to bottom. Really, everyone deserves to get fired for this. I've been saying everyone should be fired for five years at this point. <laughs> it's been and a while. <laughs> it, that, you know, when it started, you could make an argument based on their track record that they deserve the chance to do this rebuild. Well, anyone who was really paying attention just knew they didn't get it. People were criticizing what the Bulls were doing in terms of, you know, bringing in Wade and Rondo, trading Jimmy Butler. These are moves that look terrible right away. These didn't just look terrible in hindsight. Like, everyone was ripping them when these happened at the time. This is three, four years ago. So is it really a surprise at this point that all of these young guys they got, well, they're not that good. And because of that, the Bulls are, again, not going to win 30 games. Uh, I can't believe that I got suckered into this. I'm, like, really disappointed in myself. Like, if we're coming up with losers in this bowl season, I'm I'm a huge loser because I wrote a post on SBNation.com that the Bulls were going to hit the over this year. The number I got was 32 and a half. That seemed like a really safe bet. They said pick one team that can hit the over this year, and I picked the Bulls because I really thought, if nothing else, they could win 35 games. Well, Porter gets hurt. The Bulls have no wing depth. Again, this isn't second guessing. This was first guessing. Everyone was already criticizing him at the onset of the year for not having any wing depth. Now you have Carter. It's horrible to see Wendell get hurt because he has been the most joyful player to watch on the team this year. He's had the best development out of any of the young guys. But it also gives management another convenient excuse, yeah. right? Like, well, you know, we thought we we had it at three-game deficit, and then Wendell got hurt, and it all fell apart. Well, uh, 
you know, it goes so far beyond the day-to-day injuries. Every team has injuries. The Bulls have faced injuries every single year since the Thibodeau era. Firing Thibodeau is supposed to magically make them healthy to get through the year. That has never happened. Uh, Just just a disastrous season, dude. I mean, before the Carter injury, the Bulls were relatively lucky with injuries. Obviously, Porter's been out for a while, but besides him and Hutchinson, who was awful, he's absolutely terrible. I mean, the Bulls had all their top guys had been play, had been playing almost every game, and they'd been facing a lot of other teams missing star players. Uh, so the Bulls have gotten plenty of injury breaks up until obviously losing Carter to go along with Porter's obviously a killer. With considering what they have behind him at center, it just it, it's brutal. Uh, we've seen their defense kind of fall apart lately, and it was falling apart even with Carter. That, uh, that was something we talked about either on our last pod or a couple pods ago, just like how good their defense was because at one point they had gotten to like third or second in the league. I think they're down to like ninth or tenth now because, as kind of expected, once they started playing actual teams that are competent, uh, the teams have ripped apart the Bulls. Blitzing pick and roll defense have been they've been getting just move, teams that can move the ball that can make smart decisions with their passing and and playment and just dribbling and ball handling absolutely tear this defense apart. We saw it against the Celtics tonight. Gordon Hayward he couldn't hit a shot, but he was ripping the Bulls apart with this passing. We saw it against we saw it against other teams like like the Mavs. We saw Luca torch torch the Bulls with his with his shooting and his playmaking. Um, and the Pacers blew up the Bulls defense despite missing Malcolm Brogdon. And Domantas Sabonis. I mean, we saw uh, the, the Bucks obviously are amazing, but they des- destroyed the Bulls' defense lately. Uh, I think the Jazz did pretty well. Basically, the the Bulls' defense has basically cratered. Besides this past this past Pistons game, which was kind of what we expected. Now with Carter out, it just makes it even more difficult. Uh, moving on to the Boylan stuff. Obviously, we have hammered Boylan plenty on this podcast, and more stuff to hammer recently. Uh, Ricky, I think you wanted to talk about the goofiness in that Mavs game and the yeah, I, the so, Daniel Gafford injury, or like I think Carter got hurt that game as well. Talk talk about what happened there. I said that I was more on the apathy side than the anger side, and now we start talking about this, and I'm hitting the anger side. So every week on this podcast, Jason, I feel like Boylan does something unbelievably fucking stupid that he should get fired for immediately, but of course they're never going to fire him because he's just a shield for the criticism that should be going to management. This might be Boylan's biggest screw-up of the entire season. Happens in the second quarter of last Monday's game against the Mavericks before Luka tore the Bulls to pieces. An absolutely unforgivable move by Jim Boylan. Here's what happens. Second quarter, Daniel Gafford, end of the second quarter, Gafford is defending, you know, he's at the top of the, he's at the top of the key, uh, trying to like defend the reset pass to Doncic, goes down, grabbing his ankle, all the Bulls players around him go up to him, look at him, he's screaming in pain, he's clearly injured. It seemed like the refs even thought that Boylan was going to take a timeout uh, and, you know, sub Gafford out of the game because that's what any logical person would have done in this situation. But no, Boylan is screaming from the sideline, I'm subbing, I'm subbing. He can't sub because it's not a dead ball situation. Plays go in the other way. The Mavericks end up taking a mercy foul. Rick Carlisle calls for one on the Bulls just to get Gafford out of the game because the Bulls were just going to leave Gafford clearly injured on the court uh, because Boylan wanted to wait for the next dead ball situation so he could sub without using a timeout. Well, dude, we've seen how bad Boylan is at managing timeouts throughout the year. This is a clear situation of when he used a timeout and Boylan didn't do it. You got an injured player begging to be taken out of the game and you have to get a sympathy foul from the opposing coach. And at that point, it was only a two-point game. Like, 
Carlisle did not have to do that as a competitor. He did it because it was just like, oh my God, how does Boylan not do this? You wonder what Boylan's reputation is with the other coaches in the NBA. Uh, yes, he was on Popovich's staff in San Antonio for a little while, but uh, this guy has to have a horrible reputation. We've seen him fight with the Suns coach last year. Uh, he's sparred a little bit with Quinn Snyder, maybe Lloyd Pierce as well. So uh, after this incident, I just feel like this is so unforgivable, man. They would have fired Thibodeau for this immediately, but that's because Thibodeau knew they were dumbasses. <laughs> Meanwhile, Boylan kisses up to him. So even when he does something that is eminently fireable they're gonna hold on to him and you know i wonder man is boylan even gonna be let go after the season are the bulls gonna head into training camp next year with jim Boylan as their head coach because what a travesty that would be yeah i mean casey johnson one of his recent mailbags i mean he basically said there's no chance he's fired in season i guess unless it gets just like Really, really bad, but I mean, we're almost at really bad at this point. They're they're on pace for 28 wins, and we get like you said, there's goofy stuff going on every week. So like, I don't know how bad would that would actually have to get to get him fired in season. Seems like almost nothing. Uh, and at like after the season, I I I have to think. I mean, I mean the thing is again, if they fire Jim Boylan, I mean everyone has to go. You have to clean house. I mean this is their guy. They've talked him up. Like he should never have gotten the extension to begin with. Uh, so like I I don't know. I think my fear is that they that they're gonna win like they're gonna finish. I think they're gonna finish ninth in the East because if you look at the other teams in the East, Pistons, Hawks, Knicks, Cavs, Wizards. Uh, am I missing somebody? I might be. Well, they're gonna be tanking for draft the, position. The Bulls the, aren't the, gonna be tanking. Right. The bottom of the East is just such complete garbage. I think the Bulls will, will get to like 31, 32 wins and finish ninth and be like five or six games out of the playoffs. And they'll try to sell that as. Oh, like, well, we won enough games, like, down the stretch. Like, we weren't that totally far out. And they're going to sell that as that totally fine, despite that clearly still being bad and being in a terrible Eastern Conference. Like, that, that is probably my biggest fear, which is why, like, that kind of going back to Mark's thing, like, about rooting for losses and you talking about, like, they need to be humiliated. Like, the worst case scenario is them winning just enough to, to justify keeping Boylan and just, like, not doing anything and just kind of keeping the status quo they either need to like actually turn things around in a real real fashion which doesn't look possible right now i don't want to totally rule it out that's like the one small optimistic part of me left but like it either needs to get real bad or they actually have to really start playing well because kind of meandering around and like i said winning like 32 games ish i feel like it would be like almost the worst case scenario they're on pace for 28 wins and all their wins have come against teams that they don't play anymore (laughs) they're not going to win 30 games this is going to get worse I mean, maybe we get to the point in the schedule where no one gives a shit. Already teams are taking the Bulls lightly. Buddy Heald yeah. said that after the Bulls beat him in Sacramento earlier this year. Uh, I would maintain the Bulls have no good wins on the season, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the one win they have against a team over 500 was against a Clippers team who was did not have Kawhi, did not have Lou Williams, did not have uh, Patrick Beverly, and they got they played like a, a late game the night before against Minnesota. Doc Rivers was complaining. It was, it was a national TV game, and it was pushed back like an hour or two, and Rivers was pissed about it, so they got into Chicago super late, and they still probably should have won that game. The Bulls get, uh, had some, hit some big shots at the end, and Paul George kind of choked. 
at the end. So, like, the Clippers probably should have won that game. The Bulls pulled it out by the skin of their teeth. That's, like, their one win over with a team over 500, and that was kind of kind of a fluke. So, brutal. Uh, before we before we take a quick break, one last thing about Boylan here before we answer some fan questions on the, for, to, on the second half of this podcast. Some Boylan quotes today, which caught my eye kind of talking about the halfway point of the season. And he had some goofy stuff to say about Ryan Archidiacono. Um and just like how like he was helping the he was really helping the second unit after he was out of the rotation then he was put back in he had like one nice little game against the Pistons on Saturday again the Pistons I like don't count those games goofy quotes there and then just talk he, here's his quote from Casey Johnson on what his like assessment of the Bulls at the halfway point I'm encouraged by the growth of our team I like the fact that we've established a style of play at both ends what that is offensively I have no idea. <laughs> I would like us to be more consistent. I'm disappointed in one part of our defense. I think we foul too much. I'd like us to improve our defense, defending without fouling. I'd also like to improve our defensive rebounding. Those are two huge pillars that would take our defense to the next level. We've missed Wendell. He's a huge piece, but we got to move forward on that. Those two guys backing him up have to continue to grow the defensive end and help us. Offensively, there's been times where I like the way we have made basketball plays. Thanks, Jim. We get back doors for reading and reacting. That's what we're trying to teach and coach here. We do have some inconsistent moments where we're stagnant or we're not organized or the communication is poor. Blah, 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 blah. He finishes up. I like the fact that we are building a system and foundation at both ends. First of all, they're like 27th, 28th. They're, they rank bottom five in the league in offense. Like, What are you talking about? First, the fact that I think he pointed out the defensive flaws first over the offense is like asinine. Like, your offense has been a complete joke all season. And you're, talk, and you're bringing up the defensive problems first, which obviously the defense does have some problems even if their ranking looks good, but... And their offense has been a complete mess, like, basically all season. Like, if Zach Levine's not going off or Kobe White has some of his, one of his hot stretches, the offense is consistently terrible. I guess he's, if he wants to talk about some consistency, the Bulls' offense consistently sucks. So to talk about building a foundation of, like, offenses, I mean, just complete joke. Just not, just brutal gaslighting crap. Like, just be honest, please. Like, like obviously, I don't want, you, I don't want him th- coming out and like, totally throwing guys under the bus, but you got to point out that, they have not been good. And also, he's got to take some accountability for himself. I feel like he never takes accountability, whether we're talking about timeout management, whether we're talking about just guys playing. Like, I can't remember what game it was the other night. I think it was the Pelicans game. He like the, Pel- the And that was the game when Zach and Dunn called out the defense because the defense fell apart in the second half because the Bulls kept blitzing and the Pelicans made a, made a tweak in their offense and torched the Bulls all second half. Dunn and Levine point that out. Like, you know, it's like the same thing. That these third quarters, the Bulls are a bad third quarter team because teams make adjustments and start torching the Bulls. Uh, and then, but Boylan talks about how young they are and how, uh, and like, and, and energy and stuff like that. The Bulls have not, energy has not been a problem with the Bulls this year. Rick Carlisle called them one of the hardest playing teams of the uh, uh, in the league. And honestly, the Bulls do play hard every night. I'll, I'll give them one. Like, if I'm going to give them some credits, that they do play hard. They don't fold in games. They don't just usually, like, lay over and die. They do play pretty hard. But Boylan always goes to the lack of energy nonsense and the youth. Like, the Pelicans are a super young team, too. So, like, he never takes accountability for himself. So, it's just so frustrating. And those we saw those quotes today just really just kind of grinding my gears. I've, I've, I've tried not to just get super angry about the Bulls recently, again, with the apathy setting in, but... Those quotes today were just, just really pissed me off, and they, and they were super annoying. And I, they, I needed to get that off my chest. Before we talk, take some fan questions, let us take a quick uh, uh, break for to uh, hear from our sponsor, Untuck It. Ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It. The original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. 
And while the 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can choose some styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super so soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big ever again. And their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So if they're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a, a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com. And that's promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, we are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We are talking about the Bulls at the midway point of the 2019-2020 season after their 113-101 loss to the Boston Celtics uh, on Monday night. They're 14-27 on pace for 28 wins. Gotten a lot of ranting out here because the Bulls are a joke. Uh, let's see. Let's I asked for some fan questions, some Twitter questions, kind of get the pulse of the fan base here. Obviously, again, I think a lot of apathy has set in. Uh, a lot of people either just don't care. There obviously are still some mad fan, mad fans out there. I guess we've obviously let off a lot of steam here. So let's like look at somewhat what some of the questions that fans have for us as as we try to figure out where the Bulls are going forward. Because I just don't don't really don't really know at this point. So let me find the first question here. Uh, here, so here's a good one. We have not talked about this yet. Denzel, uh, Denzel Valentine is seemingly out of the rotation again, uh, and he's not happy about it. He had some quotes, uh, quotes the other day, just kind of talking about how he's unhappy with being out of the rotation. Uh, he's not asking for a trade yet, but it sure seems like it's kind of heading in that direction. Uh, he he only played garbage time against the Celtics. He really he's only played I think like ten minute, ten or eleven minutes in January. So this is from Devin at Devin twenty twenty one NU. Seems the Bulls are steadfast in their desire to move on from the Denzel Valentine experiment. What trade pack would you would you like to see Denzel included in? What would you like the Bulls to send with him? If anything, anyone like D, I, obviously I don't think you're gonna get that much for Denzel Valentine. I know Casey Johnson brought up maybe packaging him with Thad Young, who actually played really well. We actually saw him play in the post. We saw him pl like play like he did with the Pacers. Got a lot of post touches and he actually dominated a smaller Celtics team. So it was nice to see him actually play well, but. What do you make of the Denzel thing? Like, obviously, he's not good, but I kind of mentioned the Arch thing earlier about how Arch is getting minutes over Denzel now, and clearly it seems like the Bulls are don't have any plans for him in their future. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Joe Colley mentioned how the Bulls would jump at an opportunity if they could get anything back for a trade. What do, what do you think? What do you make of the Denzel situation? What do you think will happen with him? Oh, my God, dude. Guess how many free throw attempts Denzel Valentine has on the year. He's played 270 <laughs> like <two>? minutes. He has <laughs> two? five free throw attempts. <laughs> so I guess he's been better than you anticipated. Uh, I would just play Valentine. It's like, why not? You have nothing to lose. But, you know, at the same point, he's not going to be part of your future plans. I do think it's kind of funny that Boylan just hates him so much. Clearly, it's because <laughs> he can't execute the defensive schemes. Also, Valentine's attitude, I think, is like low-key terrible. I don't think he's really a professional, carries himself like one. Uh, Darnell Mayberry wrote a great column today in The Athletic where he talked to Steve Weinman, who I don't think has ever been quoted before in the media. Uh, he's the assistant GM of the Bulls. He's known as the quote-unquote analytics guy. Uh, why? So in this story, like you know, Weinman is basically like defending the Bulls' use of analytics, and Denzel Valentine had a hilarious quote where he's like, "Nowadays, anyone can find an analytic." Well, no, no shit. Denzel <laughs> Valentine hates analytics because they all say he's terrible. Uh, he's at least you know a capable dribble pass shoot guy, 
The problem is his offensive value is just so submarine by the fact that he has no burst, no explosiveness. He is so unathletic. He would have looked uh, right in place in my Monday Night Pickup League today. And <laughs> woof, was that a pretty bad show. So, I don't know, man. Like, I would play Valentine, I guess. Otherwise, just, like, cut him and get rid of him. I do think it's funny that Boylan hates Valentine, though. If I had to create a, a pluses column for Boylan... I would at least say that's funny. Like, logically, I think you might as well play Valentine because no one else on this team can initiate the offense. But, uh, you know, I don't think Valentine's getting out of the doghouse anytime soon. Yeah, because Valentine brought up how he he said Boylan talked to him, like, earlier, like, last week, and Boylan told him that he's out of the rotation. And and Valentine claimed that he he didn't tell him why. He's just not. like, he's just totally yanking him. Uh, He's playing Arch over him again, which, again, I I mean, and the Bulls, I guess they have – They've invested in Arch. Somebody mentioned this to me earlier today when I was kind of talking about it. Like, they have Arch signed with a three-year deal. This is Valentine's last year of his deal. Like, so I guess they think they might as well play Arch. And because Boylan clearly loves Arch, I feel like that's, I mean, classic. Just the little white gritty guy. That's definitely a Boylan, Boylan type guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, a trade, I, I think you might be able to get, like, a second for him. Contenders are always looking for guys who can shoot off the bench. Uh, and Casey again mentioned the Sixers. The Sixers have a ter- the Sixers are kind of a mess right now. They're they're down to six in the East. Joel Embiid's hurt. Their bench sucks. Like trade Denzel Valentine and the Sixers for a second round pick. I feel like they probably still have a million second round picks from the process. I think you get at least one for them. Uh, and then I guess if you want, if the Bulls keep going downhill, I think they probably will look to trade Thad Young. Maybe. Like, so I guess if you could package them together and maybe get a first out of it. Like, do you think do you think you could package Denzel and Thad and get? I know there was the talk about uh, the Clippers, uh, maybe like a Mo Harkless and a late first round pick. Like, do you think that's even a reasonable deal to be had? Uh, I don't think so because Thad Young's been pretty bad this year, so I don't think right. you're gonna get a great return on that investment. This has been probably Thad Young's worst year of his career, at least since his very oh, yeah. early days. He's, you know, I loved that signing when they made it because I thought he was exactly what they needed in terms of professionalism, in terms of his ability to force turnovers on defense, take smart shots on offense. That's totally gone sideways. The Bulls have had him shoot a ton of threes. They've had him play on the perimeter. He hasn't been an efficient scorer this year. Defensively, he looks maybe half a step slow. So trade Thad Young just for Thad Young's sake. I still like yeah. Thad Young. I think he seems like a chill bro. I don't blame him for realizing that no. you know he signed into just the worst organization this side of the New York Knicks in the NBA, and um, he's basically had a lost year. So I would like to see them trade Valentine. Maybe you can get the 29th pick in the draft for him, but honestly, that'd be an amazing return for the Bulls. They should jump at that offer right now. I don't think that they're going to be able to get that. I would take a high second-round pick for him, uh, you know, if one of the contenders actually has one of those picks. So we'll see. To the to the Thad Young point again, uh, th- there were a couple columns written, I think both Casey and then the new Chicago Tribune beat writer, I believe his name is Jamal Collier, I think talked to Thad. Just kind of both just – we kind of saw it today. I mentioned the post-up stuff. They really did – they really hammered the post-up stuff hard, didn't it? That was kind of a thing they were talking about in these columns, like how how Thad has played a lot differently than he usually has. And I was looking at the stats, and, like, Thad is shoot coming into tonight, Thad was shooting, like, 44% on two-pointers. He was taking a lot more three-pointers. And I think it was KC's column – Clay, like they, I think they asked Thad, like, did they tell you like they'd be like you'd be playing like this and this is the style that they'd be playing, and he said no, of course. So th- th- clearly they probably it seems like they lied to Thad Young and like that's how they were able to get him to sign because he w- there was the report earlier this year about how he was upset with his minutes and now there's he's talking now about how uh, they're 
they did not tell him what kind of style they'd be playing, and he's clearly been playing a lot different. He, yeah, like I said, he came. He was coming in tonight shooting like 44% on two-pointers, a career low by far. So then tonight we finally saw them establish him in the post, and he I think he shot like 8 of 10 around the rim. It was much better. Uh, maybe they'll be doing that more moving forward with Wendell Carter Jr. out. But again, yeah, if they don't start, if they don't turn things around at all, I would not be surprised to see Thad Young on a different team before the deadline. Next question, Devin sent us another one, and you mentioned the Cap- Kaplan thing, so we kind of already answered this. He basically, do you buy the Cap, the possible major overall? Again, we'll believe it when we see it. And then he asked again, do you, if you had to make a pick right now, is Jim Boylan the head coach of the Bulls next season? We kind of, we kind of answered this, but this, I guess right on the spot, what do you think? I think that the Ryan Zoyers are have to fire Paxson, and they have to fire Foreman. And if they're not going to fire him, they have to move him aside and bring in another voice to be the lead voice of the franchise. So I do think that this year has gotten so bad and that fans are so frustrated that it could happen. I do think it's realistic. If Foreman and Paxson remain in their positions with no outside help added, I guess I'll say that I do believe Boylan will be the head coach next year. I don't think that Paxson's going to fire Boylan after this season. Uh, and if that happens, what a fucking insult to the fans. I mean, you might as well just spit in all of our faces if Jim Boylan's right. the head coach next year. And quite frankly, if John Paxson's the general manager next year. The Reinsdorfs need to act like real owners for you know the first time in 20 years. Uh, I'm censoring myself as I say this because I'm just getting so fired up. Like, this is unforgivable. Fire these idiots. This was ob- it's been obvious for five years. And if they really don't fire him this year, dude, just such a slap in the face to a great loyal fan base. It is, yeah. And this is kind of, this also plays into it, Ryan from Ryan Whitehead. Says, what win total do you think the Bulls would have to finish for that for changes to actually happen? Like, do you think if they if it's under thirty, do you think it has to go like real bad and be like under twenty five or like around? Again, they're what are they right now? Fourteen and twenty seven. Like, they do have a lot of hard games stuff. They do have like come. They like to play the Wizards on Wednesday. They got the Cavs a few times coming up. I, mean, I guess the Cavs have been playing a little better lately since the weird John Beeline slugs thugs goofiness. So they do have some winnable games stuff. I guess, but I guess what do you think it would take for them to actually clean the house here? In terms of wins. I think that the wins don't actually matter. The win total doesn't matter. I think that it would just take the Reinsdorfs, like, sacking up and making a power move and finally installing someone else to run this franchise who they're not so comfortable with. Like, the Reinsdorfs allow John Paxson and Gar Foreman to continue running the franchise because they just don't care. They just want someone they're comfortable with. They want, you know, everything to run as smoothly as possible in terms of you know, the interpersonal relations and in terms of probably the salaries they're paying them. uh, They're not like competitive guys who are trying to win, right? Like, I think that that's what it would take for them to actually make a move in the front office is them deciding this is actually humiliating. I'm embarrassed to own this shitty franchise, which has no excuse to be as bad as it is. Maybe I should actually do something about it. So I don't think the win total really has anything to do with it. That's just my two cents. What do you think on that? And that's uh, I I don't think there's gonna be like a set like an exact set win total like if they reach thirty wins like oh it definitely means like he's staying like I, I obviously if, especially I do wonder especially if the attendance stays down like I mean and if they're like whatever they're in like the twenties and if they're still playing bad like I can't imagine people are gonna show up to those games and I feel like you'd have to pay me to go to Bulls games at this point like, I mean I guess I guess I'd go to games against other good teams to watch. The other good teams players because like right now like I don't know who would want to go watch Bulls basketball like if you're on like a Wednesday night like if they're playing 
some like whatever team like why would you go to a bulls game like why would you do it so like we could see some real low attendance here the second half of the season which i think that could all that could definitely play a part in it so yeah i, I definitely don't think there's like a exact win total they like they have, like they've set to hit but I, I, if they, I guess if they get under thirty, I mean that's ridiculous. I guess just the, getting the under, like you mentioned the stuff, the writing about the uh, the win total and picking the Bulls to go over. I've done this two years in a row, and I I feel like the biggest bigger fucking idiot. I said they'd go over last year, and then as big of a joke as last year was, then I'd said I doubled down and said they'd go over again this year. And of course, right now they're on pace to go under by like four or five games, which is which is absolutely brutal, absolutely brutal. Let's move on to another question. Let's talk about some more trade stuff. We had a few trade questions here as well. Um, so, uh, let's talk about Chris Dunn for a second. So, first of all, Joe Cowley brought up with during the game and was talking about. I think he brought about. He was talking about Marcus Smart and Chris Dunn, kind of similar players, defense first guys. They make a lot of good hustle plays. And uh, Cowley brought up about paying Chris Dunn twelve million a year. Our guy Mark again, Mark Karensulis, uh He says matching a Dunn for a deal for Dunn that pays him twelve million annually is a choice, just not a good one. It's also a good way to over your, overpay your guys and cap out the current team as is. And then, again, Devin, who we had a few other questions from before, was asking about how Den, Dunn should be moved. What do you do with Chris Dunn right now? Like, was Dunn has been legitimately one of the few bright spots, I guess, because his defense has been... I mean, you could argue, I mean, you could argue he should be on the all-defensive team this year. The steals, deflections, uh, he's been fantastic. He's, he's shut down some high-level players. Obviously, his offense is a complete mess still. His three-point shooting has jumped up a tick recently, but like it had nowhere to go from up. It was down at like 15, 16% at one point. He's starting to hit a bit more, but you just teams still don't trust they, they or they don't they don't guard him. They, they force him to shoot. Uh it's like what what do you do with Chris Dunn? Do you, do you think you could get a first round pick for Chris Dunn? Like, do you think the Bulls should hang on to him and keep him around long term? Like, I feel like that would kind of be doubling down on this core even more, and I feel like assuming things continue to go this way, the Bulls need to make some personnel changes as well. What do you do with Chris Dunn? I don't know, but like signing Chris Dunn for $10 million a year just seems like, what are you even doing at that point? Right. Like, where's the long-term <laughs> vision with that? Uh, you could argue that you don't want to lose a valuable asset for nothing, and I do understand that because Dunn has been tremendous defensively this year, but like, you know, if you're talking about building a truly elite team, the salary structure you want on your cap sheet is max level guys and like minimum level guys, right? Like that's basically how the Lakers are constructed. You look at the Clippers and they have two max level guys and then your dudes in your 12, 11 million range, that's like Patrick Beverly, that's going to be uh, Harold after this year. <laughs> Harkless is there right now. Uh, but it's just like, if you're actually going to build a good team, you want clear salary cap sheet, you want max guys, and then you want, you know, if you're going to have a dude who's in the 12 million range, like Danny Green on the Lakers, he makes 14 million this year. It has to be a two-way guy like Green is. So Dunn's offense still isn't good enough for him to be a starter. I don't think. Do you? Uh, no. I mean, I think clearly so his like best point guard, 12 million dollars on a right. team that fucking sucks. Like, right, what, that's the problem. Like, Mark, Mar- yeah, like Marcus Smart works at that amount because like he he's been on a winner. He's won a ton of games with the Celtics. Like he's the heart and soul of a good a Celtics team that's been great for whatever a long time now. That's they're they're fine paying that to Marcus Smart because they know what he means to winning games. Chris Dunn might make a good impact on this Bulls team, but the Bulls are fucking terrible. They're garbage. So like, yeah, like doubling down on this core and like paying guys second de- their second deals. I mean, it's kind of like the like the Lowry, like the Bull, at this point, like the Bulls probably should not extend Lowry when he's eligible next year. I think you'd probably have to do a wait and see next season for him. So like, I was, 
you just can't if they don't turn things around like you just can't double down on these guys like the good thing i guess it's nice that levine is on like i would consider levine maybe a value contract at this point at 17 18 million a year i maybe he's probably right where he should be a one-way guy who can get buckets but he's not an overall two-way stud so like he's definitely not a max guy like there are some guys like i mean a guy like jamal murray i feel like is way overpaid some of these other young young guards who we've t- talked about like in comparison with levine they've got these max deals i feel like that levine is on is like making a lot less of them is, is good he's on a reasonable deal but yeah, I mean, you just really can't double down on this core for that much longer. If they if they if they continue to suck this season, you got to make some changes. And paying Chris Dunn whatever, like three years, thirty six to forty million, just I I think you can get something for him. I, I think he's he's a valuable bench part. He's a great defender. Like who could use a really like a harassing guard off the bench? I mean, the Lakers are always looking for upgrades, but I don't think that I don't think they want a guy like Chris Dunn playing with LeBron. Uh, I mean, I I'd have to I'd have to. A first-round pick for him, most likely. So there's basically no reason to give him that much money. So here's a question I'm going to ask you, Jason. Yeah. At what number would you extend Lowry this offseason? It's tough. But I mean, we were talking about he was going to get a max extension the next offseason. Obviously, that's way out the window. Uh, I mean, what are you looking at, like four – it'd have to be like 460 that's maybe? That's exactly like, what I was thinking. $15 million like, a year. Probably sixteen million. I would do it because I think he's still a tradable asset. You can still get yeah. something for him, uh, but beyond that, I mean, I guess like right around Zach's deal. I mean, right now Levine's a better player than Zach, Zach obviously, but Lowry is. I'm Lowry is. I mean, I would, I would, I guess I would think about going up, up like no more than Zach's deal. This because Lowry is still young. Maybe you think that with a better coach, if you do bring in a better coach, that he'd get more out of him, and that you would. And that with the salary cap still going up, it's been going up. I obviously there are, there are some weird scenarios with like all the China stuff and some of the other stuff that maybe it doesn't it doesn't rise as much as maybe they were expecting, but it's still going up. So like, I guess four four eighty could be palatable, but I probably wouldn't. I'd probably again go into the prove it year. So I'd probably feel comfortable for four sixty. But I mean, there's no reason for him to sign that. Like you'd think that he'd want to want to get a chance to. Uh, prove himself and have a big year, kind of like what happened with Jimmy Butler before. Because he turned down, I can't remember what he turned down, but he came out in that fourth season and he turned into an all-star and then he got a max contract after that. So I would think Lowry would not want to sign like a team-friendly, super cheap extension. I, I, I don't see any way how a deal gets done there. Maybe it does, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a, it's a weird situation because Lowry's just been such a disappointment. He just really hasn't progressed like at all since his rookie season. Isn't he's kind of just the same guy, and it's it's a bummer. Uh, moving on, what else do we have here? Uh, this is from Kyle. Actually, let's talk about more trade stuff. This is from Jog eighty nine. Levine Zach Levine's trade value is probably as high as it's ever going to be, and that eight seed is starting to look like a pipe dream. Is it crazy to trade him given his improvement? What would be a realistic return that would make you bite on a Zach Levine trade? So my hot take that I've said on this show a couple times is that I would probably trade Markin instead of Levine because I think Markin is higher trade value. I think Levine does have some like really unique skills in that maybe you could make him a more disciplined player if you were playing next to a superstar. Uh, that is a risky bet, certainly, but I don't see Zach Levine having huge trade value, right? Like, uh, you know, do you think you can get the 14, like, what was he taking at, 13 or 14 or I think something like that back in the day? Like, could you even get that pick for him now, next year? I mean, next year is going to be a crappy draft, too. 
so there's not really like an obvious savior coming down the pipe. There's no Zion level player. There's no Luka level player in this next draft. There's nothing even close to that. This is a horrendous draft where the guy who's going to go number one overall should probably be like the seventh pick in most years, sixth pick. Uh, so I don't know, like I would trade Levine for sure, but I wouldn't want John Paxson making that decision. And I, and I just don't know. I guess, like you said, like I just don't know what you're going to get back for him that makes it make sense. Like I, as much as we, like we, again, we we talk about Zach Levine's is mis, he's a good player. He's miscast as a, a number one, but he's still a good player. He's making whatever 17, 18 million a year. But like, like who like around the league is like looking to like pay up a lot for Zach Levine, who's never been on a winner. Like I, I've said for a while that, and I think a lot of people probably think this. I think he'd be awesome on the Sixers. Uh, but like, what are the, the Sixers don't have anything to trade that would be any good to the Bulls to make like, it worth it for them to trade Zach Levine. So like, I just don't see. It's just hard. That's just hard to find a deal with this situation. Like what? Would, like I'm thinking of the Sixers roster. Like I don't think they're gonna trade like Richardson in like a draft pick for him. Like and oh, even like like, would, like but like even that like would you even be that excited about that as a Bulls fan? Like you get a good player in Josh Richardson, but like I mean he's a three and D guy, and then you get like a late first round pick, or maybe another like pick later. Like so like that just doesn't seem like it would, it would be good value at all for Levine. It, he's in a weird like he's a good player just in a weird spot where I just don't know what like teams around the league really think of him in terms of like being an impact player so it's like again I think sticking with Levine is totally fine even if he I, I think the Bulls should look at possibly look at trades and see what we can do for him but like I'm fine keeping Levine around for again his deal is reasonable there 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 will have to be other ways to get find a star player and it's I don't know if it involves trading exactly I, mean, I guess if you want to like full out tank but like the Bulls aren't going to do that it would have to be lucky in some other way um, here's a kind of a different trade question, but looks at the Bulls as possible buyers at the deadlines from Kyle McMahon. He says, in my opinion, there's no way John Paxson trades players from draft picks at the deadline because, and tries to tank because he thinks he, he, I think he knows this is his last rebuild. Do you think there are buyers at the deadline, including trading a future pick for an all-star level player? Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> if they trade a draft pick. That is just malpractice, man. You cannot trade a first-round draft pick when the outlook for the organization is so poor. So, no, I don't think so. But I'm now, Kyle, I'm not like saying that this is a bad question because Kyle's saying these guys are such idiots. They might actually do something rash. Like right, I think that's what he's getting at. For sure, yeah. It's, uh, it's a thought that is just making my skin hurt and... <laughs> itch because no they should not do that i don't think it's going to happen that would really be malpractice so got it right. I, I, I don't even like i don't know like what all-star level players are even like on the market right now it's like drummond obviously not uh maybe drew holiday and i think there was he was a guy i talked about possibly going after in the offseason but like i mean what are you trading for drew holiday at this point for like <clears throat> i mean why and i the pelicans might try to make a playoff run this year honestly they're right there and they're getting zion back possibly this week like they should just kind of keep it together and see what they got. So, like, I don't know if there was that, really that many stars on the trade market. Like, what are you, like, trying to go for, like, I mean, like, Kyle Kuzma? Like, I don't know who else is even, like, stars available on the trade market. So, yeah, I cannot imagine the Bulls being buyers. Uh, again, I, yeah, I think they end up trading Denzel, possibly trade Thad Young, and possibly trade Chris Dunn. I mean, there's you, at this point, you're, you, need, still, you need to get assets. Like, you're in a position where you still need to rack up assets for possibly making that big trade in the future. 
because again, I don't think anybody is really available right now, but if you're looking at next offseason or if you're looking at next season, I mean, maybe a guy like Carl Anthony, there's been some Carl Anthony Towns rumblings, or if a guy like, I don't know, whatever, that next next star who wants out, Bradley Beal or maybe Devin Booker if the Suns don't get any better, maybe something like that. I don't know. But yeah, right now, I, I don't see that happening. A few more questions here before we finish up. Um... We kind of answered this one already about what we want to see in the second half. Is there any, I guess we talked about Gafford, like what positive strides could the Bulls make in the second half to make this not feel like a total waste? Obviously, like the rookies, if Gafford keeps playing well, if we could see a little more out of Kobe White, who's, he's kind of been the same, just kind of like hit or miss all season. Like, is there anything else you would like to see in the second half that would make you feel that this isn't totally, a total shit salad as this this question brings up? I mean, nothing is going to change the season from being a total shit salad. The shit salad is here to stay, Jason. (laughs) But yeah, I'd like to see Kobe make some improvements just in terms of like, getting better at running the pick and roll, becoming a better facilitator, becoming a more accurate shooter off the dribble. That could be a reason to watch. But mostly, dude, like mail it in. There's there's basically (laughs) nothing good that's going to be happening the rest of this year. How are we going to do this podcast? How? We've gone on for 50 minutes right now. This is insane. They played five games this week. They're terrible. They lose all of them but one. This is bad, dude. This is really speaking, bad. Speaking of bad, and th- this is also this is a, this is just brutal and kind of embarrassing. General, there's from Blee Blee Eight at Blee Internets. Does anyone remember or care that the All Star Game is in Chicago? We got the All Star Game coming here this year. All Star Weekend is in Chicago, basically a month from now. And like, and the Bulls suck. Like, it would have been so nice for this to be like a nice showcase for the Bulls as a team on the rise. With maybe, I mean, I mean, maybe Zach. I think is still fifth in voting. I mean, he's been putting up big numbers. Maybe. He does enough with his pure statistics to get in, but I kind of, as long as if the Bulls keep losing, I don't think he's going to get in. I mean, maybe he'll be in. I think he's talked about possibly wanting to do the three point contest and not the dunk contest, which would be a shame. I'd like to see him do the dunk contest again. We'll probably see Kobe uh, in like the Rising Stars game. Wendell with his injury, I don't know, probably not now, maybe, but like that could have been a really nice opportunity to just like sh- show off this re- and have some buzz around the Bulls with the All Star game coming to Chicago. And now, the Bulls suck. They're a joke. No one cares about the Bulls, and like no one, I didn't like, and like nobody cares about that. The fact that the All Star Game is in Chicago. It's it's super. It's just a bummer. It's a huge bummer. Yeah, we got to stop this podcast, man. Fifty minutes <laughs> is too long to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Uh, yeah, I, I had one last question. Okay. It was basically, do you see this from what are you looking at? Uh, do you see this rebuild going anywhere than another rebuild? And right now, it's probably no. Like at this point assuming the Bulls continue to suck this year, I mean, maybe they kind of run it back with most of these same guys next season, but at this point, it's hard to see this next Bulls team having most, like, having this core as their as their core. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they're going to go into, like, a full-blown rebuild in the next year or two again? So, this is one thing that I've been thinking quite a bit over the last few weeks. We can't keep calling this a rebuild. They just suck. Like, it's not a rebuild. They're bad. They have no hope. Yes, their players are young. They're young and shitty. They're not good enough. It's not a rebuild. They suck. So if you do want hope as a Bulls fan, I will say the 2021 draft looks awesome. The 2020 draft looks terrible. Okay, that actually was one other question. Was basically it, who? It, yeah, who's in the draft? Is there anybody in this draft that you would actually like? Yeah, there's a couple guys I like. I like Isaac Okoro in the 2020 draft. A wing from Auburn. I think that. Uh, if he somehow has rapid offensive improvement, he could be really good. He's a freak athlete. Bruce Pearl called him the best defensive player he's ever coached. He also hasn't lost a game 
in like over a year between high school and college. Auburn's still undefeated. He's a great defensive prospect. So I would like him. I like Killian Hayes, who's a French guard. I believe he was actually born in Florida to uh, an American father, but he's been playing on France's youth teams for the last few years. France won a silver medal on those youth teams, losing to Team USA a couple of years ago. I believe that was a U-17 competition. So he's been on my radar for a while. He kind of reminds me of D'Angelo Russell a little bit, but I think he might be better than that, potentially, because he could give you more defensively. Uh, he's not really athletic, per se, in terms of exploding to the rim, but he's a really good pull-up shooter. Uh, he's got a floater. So I like... Killian Hayes, I like Isaac Okoro, and then I sort of like Nico Manon, the point guard from Arizona, but he's been bad lately. You also wonder how he fits into the Bulls' long-term plans with Kobe White. So what I would just say is there's not going to be a savior coming through this draft, and if there is a savior, it's probably going to be someone way off the radar. Like This draft reminds me of 2013, in which Anthony Bennett went number one. Uh, that draft ended up having the best player of the decade in it because Giannis went 15 so I think that there will still probably be good players in this draft but the guys at the top of the draft to me really don't look great maybe they'll hit their like 99th percentile outcome and Isaac Okoro will turn into Kawhi or maybe LaMelo will be you know a really great playmaker because he definitely has talent but I just don't really love anyone in this draft class that's great (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I I have nothing to add to that. I've not really followed the draft class that much. I just know that I think a lot of the guys are hurting. I've read that it's just not that great. So we'll talk. We'll obviously have plenty of time to talk draft stuff, assuming the Bulls continue on this this brutal path. And like you said, we've been talking. We we need to wrap it up here. We've been ranting about the Chicago Bulls for damn near an hour here, and it's really depressing. But I figured we'd go a little longer here since this is the the official midway point of the season. Again, the Bulls are fourteen and twenty seven on a twenty eight win pace in year three of the rebuild. That fucking sucks but thank you all for sending all in all of your questions thank you for sticking with us here as we talk about this very disappointing bowl season uh we're gonna keep we're gonna keep talking we're gonna keep talking bulls we're gonna keep potting we're gonna gonna try to fight our way through this like we did last season but hopefully maybe we'll see some bright spots maybe we'll get some trades maybe we'll get some action to help keep us through this second half of the season which looks like it's not going to be any fun we were hoping for a playoff chase right now it's looking like that's not going to happen Unfortunately, thanks again, to, as always, to Blue Wire Pods, and thanks to our sponsor, Untuck It. Uh, please go follow at Blue Wire Pods and go listen to all the other great podcasts around the Blue Blue Wire Network. And as always, for us, please uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those fun places wherever you listen to your podcasts. So this has been Cash Considerations, Bulls at the midway point of the season. This is Jason. Ricky, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next time.